From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Project podcast. This one is episode 260, and we're diving into archetypes, the current archetypes that we see in today's culture that are not so much there anymore. I mean, I'm talking about the heroes that we once loved growing up being now denigrated and humiliated on screen. I'm talking about the spirit of the hero, like Indiana Jones or Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So many of our characters that we once loved, when we see them now on screen, there's something missing here. And we unconsciously feel an uneasiness and a sense of lacking with this current content-filled um, age that we're living in. This doesn't feel like art anymore. It doesn't feel true adventure. It feels more like an agenda. And today I want to look beyond the veil of, well, what is seemingly like a good thing, like having a more diversity in our art, which I'm not opposed of at all. I'm not opposed to having female, strong female leads. And I will get into that because I grew up with strong female characters, watching strong female characters on screen. But now we're seeing not only the male spirit archetype being denigrated and humiliated on screen, but we're also seeing the feminine spirit denigrated and humiliated on screen. And you're, you're probably wondering, well, Brad, I don't really understand what you're getting at here. Maybe you do, but I want to pick this apart in great detail. So I wrote out in detail um, my points here. So if you see me looking down, that's because I want to touch upon every little thing so that you guys can fully understand what I'm talking about. But also, if you're listening, I am going to post this on YouTube and there will be clips, right? So you can watch those. I recommend that you watch it as well as listen to it. So what is this spirit that we see on screen that is not, that is, it's not resonating as much as it used to? Now, well, the spirit of the hero is the underdeveloped, flawed person in the grip of culture, in the grip of materialism, consumerism, they journey forth out of this grip from this call to adventure into the unknown in service of a higher good. Okay? We see that with Bilbo Baggins. He is this underdeveloped, fat, overstuffed, alcoholic shire dweller who's weak mentally and physically living in comfort like we all are at some point in our lives and he gets this call to go on this great adventure why does that resonate so much with us it's because life always at some point becomes well it gets repetitive and too comfortable for our own good and we need change. We need to break down the walls and venture forward. That's Dostoevsky uh, in um, 
notes from underground. He said that if we had everything that we ever wanted, we would burn it down just so something interesting can happen. And that's absolutely true. We can, we can cause so much pain for ourselves, not knowing that we're just trying to change things up. And so for Bilbo, he ventures forth and that resonates with us, but we see that with Frodo. We see that with Harry Potter. We see that with Simba in The Lion King. They become content. They become, you know, they reach a phase in, in their, well, adulthood, but maybe it's even earlier than that. Like Simba, you reach a phase, like maybe through high school and university, where you're just, you know, going with the flow, living in comfort, and then you something in life someone close to maybe gets ill or passes away or something about life comes up from in under the depths like jaws the shark that's the symbolic representation of the unknown emerging and taking a piece of you when you least expect it and it opens your eyes to the fact that you haven't been paying attention you've been living in a comfort bubble and so I, that's what the, the archetype means, what's been common across time, right? What has been true in our human nature? We have grown up in tribes that were confined to a certain space that had a fire and there was light surrounding this tribe. And we lit, and outside of that lit area of the known territory is what we don't know. That's the darkness. That's the forest. There are potential predatory entities lurking within the dark forest that could do you in. And we venture out into the unknown spaces of the world at our own peril. But we do that anyways, because we gain knowledge, not only of the territory, but of our, ourselves. We become braver. We gather the new information that we find in the darkness, and we incorporate that within ourselves and in our community. So the archetype is that person. They start from square one, that's Rocky, and they start from square one and they stumble forward failing as they continue to persevere toward the good. They stumble and they persevere. And that's why someone like David Goggins is so recognizable is that he is that archetype. He, he, he tells us through his books that, hey, I started from this place and I failed all these times. And he lays out all of his failures and he walks through how he managed to get out of each and every one of those failures. And it's humbling to somebody to write down all of their inadequacies in a book, but also their strengths as they moved forward through this rocky time. And, well, that's the archetype. What's common across time. And we love to watch narratives of someone who is tortured by existence, who has all the worst things happen to them, and they don't deserve it. That's the also, that's the Jesus. That's the Christ story too, right? The person that least deserves it gets tortured and humiliated the most. That's Harry Potter, man. If like all you have to do is read Order of the Phoenix, and in that book. 
oh my God, every chapter, something terrible happens to Harry. Like, I mean, his relationship with Cho Chang doesn't work out. It's awful. He's getting tortured by the new head of the school, uh, Professor Umbridge. And he's getting detention because he's sticking up for the truth. And he's literally getting tortured by her. And his his uncle dies. I mean, there's like 10 things maybe more in that book, really terrible things that have that happened to him in that book. And it, it resonates with us because when we go through something terrible, we pick up a book like Harry Potter and it, it resonates with us because we connect to the struggle. And it, may, it, doesn't, it makes us feel like we're not alone. That's the Luke Skywalker struggle, right? He's struggling Man, I mean, look at the second movie, Empire Strikes Back. He gets his hand chopped off. He is defeated by Darth Vader. He's he's training with Yoda and he's stumbling forth. He's he's not really getting it, and and it resonates. It's because we want to see someone struggle. We desperately want that because we know that well. Hey, life is all about struggle, and how one perseveres. We want, to fun, we want to know, how does one persevere? We want to embody that spirit within us. So we all go through challenges. That's why it's archetypal. Life is a series of hardships, and it will test us. Sometimes a few catastrophes hit someone all at one time. Now, what is our best bet forward through this challenging time? And these characters that we love embody that question. To rise up and face the challenges forthrightly, we must face what frightens us voluntarily. When we do that, new neurological connections turn on and we integrate a bravery within us that was previously non-existent. The tyranny that has emerged within the world of the Lion King by Scar has to be confronted by Simba. It has to be confronted by those who stand up to what they deem to be false, untrue, evil. But Simba remains in his unconscious stupor with his idiot friends, Timon and Pumbaa. And that's so funny because we all get there at some point. I was there for all of my 20s, most of my 20s, in that drunken, unconscious stupor you know, going with the flow, taking it easy, drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, being overly consumed just like Bilbo Baggins in the Shire. And it's nice to be there, right? Because we grab onto these things and, and we rely on them for the adventure. We use these things as a way to have the adventure. But is it the right way to have the adventure? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I never felt fulfilled because they had temporary relief, but long-term 
ripple effects. I wasn't becoming stronger mentally and physically. It's quite the opposite. I was actually becoming weaker in those fields. But what makes us stronger and what we see in these archetypal stories is the hero who, who's in that grip of materialism break free from that, that they don't have to rely on anything but themselves. And they, they offer themselves up to the world to be broken by the world. And then by doing that, you realize that when you're broken, it's going to hurt, but you have the strength to persevere through that. And that, it, that when you look at yourself in the mirror, when you endure such pain and suffering, you see a totally different side. So, a, a side that you don't get from just sitting around and playing a video game. A side that you don't get from just sitting down and... Well, thinking about it, you have to actually go and act it out. And so why we love these dramatized representations of that is because it, it activates a spark of that spirit within us that we need to go out and build on our character. And so Simba gets slapped into this awakening by Nala. And what's so funny about that is women do that all the time. Beauty awakens you. If it comes along, but sometimes even if it comes along, it doesn't even awaken you. Sometimes it needs to, you need a big slap. It needs to be painful. That's why the slap is so symbolic. It maybe it needs to be painful in order for you to awaken to the fact that what you've been doing this whole time is not working. It's not going to help anybody. It's, it's making everything worse for you and for the community. You have so much potential within you. Like Nala, Nala slaps him into the awakening of his own potential. Like he, you can do more. Your, your kingdom is in trouble. You have to rise up and be strong and face that voluntarily. So then Simba has to look, look inwards. So once he's awakened, he has to look inwards toward the spirit of his father to then realize what he needs to do. The spirit of Simba's father, that heavenly father figure, the, uh, the positive masculine figure, is the spirit of strength, truth, growth, and responsibility. It's not just the masculine as well. It's also the positive aspect of the feminine that nourishes and comforts not only her children, but encourages them and, and offers them up to be broken by the world. And you, you don't understand, like, I don't understand how much of, a str of, of strength is needed to do that, to offer your child that you know to be vulnerable and precious to you, offer them up to the world, knowing that the world can break them. It might even kill them. It's courage, right? And the feminine also... It's so funny because we see that in the old Disney movies. The feminine slaps the male out of unconsciousness to, and, and encourages, encourages the male to, to be better con continuously. That's what Maggie did in my life for a long time. It still does. When I'm losing my way, sometimes, she, not physically, but she'll say, hey, Brad, you're not, 
you're not doing as much as you could do. You can do so much more. And when I hear that and we have that conversation, it hurts every time. But it's necessary because it keeps me in line towards the the spirit of potential, God, the spirit of what could what I could manifest in my life. So Simba, he looks inwards at one point. He looks inwards toward the spirit of his role models that inspired him, inspiration, right? Inspire, inspiration. And so we see that spirit, the spirit of strength, the spirit of truth, growth, and responsibility all in Simba's father. And that resonates with Simba. And we see, and as a viewer, we want to see that spirit because we know that we need to embody it in this world of unknown catastrophes. We see this spirit in all the movies that we love. We see it in Star Trek, venturing forth into the unknown, right? We see it in Shrek. We see it in How to Train Your Dragon. The list is endless, and we love these films. But what are we seeing now in today's culture? We're seeing a destruction in the masculine spirit in service of the all-perfect feminine spirit to dominate. But that feminine spirit is also being destroyed as well. And that's what blows my mind. It's not like they're portraying the feminine in a positive way. I mean, I'm not saying all movies that are current and TV shows that are currently being made are denigrating the feminine and the masculine spirit. I'm saying we're seeing a very common theme now, especially within Disney, of the feminine figure rising above the masculine figure. But it's not just that. It's that the feminine spirit is perfection. It's pure perfection. Everything is handed to her and everything just seems to work out the way it is. And then we see the heroes that used to, that once embodied the spirit that I once, I was talking about the first half of this podcast. We see that spirit non-existent in them anymore. And then when I'm watching it, I'm like, what happened to that spirit? Why is it not there? And that's a really good question. That's a question I want to emphasize to the writers of this new age of content. What is going on? Also, why are women being depicted as someone who should not have children, focus on career first, and avoid all men? Is this the message you want to send to young women in today's culture? Because, well, we're seeing it. It certainly is the message running down the middle. So how is that feminine spirit being destroyed today? Well, look at the Mulan remake, for example. Instead of her experiencing struggle and failure like the old version emphasized, she is made in the image of perfection. There's there's one scene in the movie where she literally took on how many men, like 10 men, and she was like a young child. She literally dominated. And she was, I was like, how could a young girl like that 
dominate all those men or the Peter Pan and Wendy remake on Disney Plus where Wendy was shown in her room fighting her little brothers and dominating them, right? Emphasize on little brothers. And then we see her, she's like 13 or something. We see her later on a pirate ship fighting full-grown men, like 10 full-grown men and dominating them. How could that ever how is that ever real or a honest reflection of of life it's like it's just silly nonsense and so she, like mulan has all her skills handed to her and there's no struggle and it's the same with captain marvel or she hulk or ray from the new um star wars uh movies or helena from indiana jones 5 i mean not only do they have everything going for them but they outsmart the leading males and overpower them at every turn taking away their victories they're stealing their victories and the spirit that once held true for them i mean look at indiana jones 5 for example at the beginning of that movie indiana jones is this washed up has-been who's who's a boring teacher i mean how could that ever be the case because he embodied the spirit and now it's lost i mean i understand that life is full of these of these twists and turns and that we all fall into pits but to depict the heroes that really struggle to, to, to encapsulate a structure, encapsulate that spirit through their previous adventures, dispense with that altogether and then give up? It's just, it counter, it's counterintuitive. It's, it's, they literally betrayed themselves. Not only the audience, but they betrayed themselves they turn their back to that spirit the current agenda now is to denigrate and dismantle the spirit of our, of our beloved characters and we see this rise in perfection in regards to the feminine character the feminine spirit but is that really what the feminine spirit is all about that what we're seeing within ray where everything is handed to her and she just seems everything it just seems to work out great for her but i've talked to maggie about this i talked to other women about this and they're like well that's it's uninspiring well why <laughs> well there's no struggle we want to see struggle, no matter if it's the feminine spirit or the masculine spirit, where is the struggle? And so let's look at the, these great feminine movie characters that we have grown up to love, like Hermione Granger, Princess Leia, Sarah Connors from Terminator 2, or Ellen Ripley from Alien, or Belle from Beauty and the Beast, The Bride from Kill Bill, Dr. Crusher from Star Trek. Or there's so many fem female empowering characters in Star Trek. Even Deep Space Nine has so many great ones like Dax. Awesome character. And then Rita from Groundhog Day, which you guys know because I talk about Groundhog Day all the time on this show. She, you know what's awesome about Rita and why I love her spirit 
and what makes her a great feminine archetype is because she doesn't let Phil push her around. She's no pushover, man. She has teeth. In that movie, she slaps Phil into an awakening, right? Because like Phil keeps saying stupid, denigrating things to her. And then she's like, don't say that. It's stupid. But we see in Groundhog Day, the positive spirit of Phil near the the second half of the movie, but then the very negative spirit of Phil. So we see the positive and the negative uh, archetypes of the male, and we see the negative and positive archetypes of the female. I mean, the women uh, Phil dates in that movie, you know, goes out with for one night stands, they're the negative archetypes of the feminine. Absolutely. But Rita is the strong, centered uh firm in her beliefs character she's a strong strong female archetype and it's a great example i mean what makes these females admirable is that they're they they're really they're caregivers but also they're strong mentally and physically i mean sarah connor's in terminator 2 she uses her wits to overpower 10 men. I mean, when she was in that hospital and she was trying to escape, it's not like she can just all beat them up effortlessly and she can walk away, you know, no problem. It's like, no, she has to, she has to defeat 10 men to get out of that hospital and she has to go and save her son. I mean, okay, what, okay, look at the, look at the stakes of trying to save your son. I mean, those are high stakes, man. Like if you, like in Kill Bill, for example, her losing her, well, thinking she lost her child. I mean, man, what a great reason to get revenge, right? Or like Sarah Connors, she's got to get out of this prison to go and rescue her son who's going to potentially be broken by the world, Right. And so how does she get out of this prison? She uses mental and she uses her intelligence to get out of there. I mean, she uses her environment. She manipulates her environment in a way where she can get herself out, not just by punching and kicking, but by, by her wits and her intelligence. She outsmarts all those men. And it's effortlessly. It's not like self-evidently unrealistic. No, it's realistic, man. Just watch that scene and it's it'll blow your mind, right? And that's what these great filmmakers can do with the feminine and masculine archetypes. It They can weave them into the art seamlessly without an agenda. Because I remember watching Endgame and there was that one shot of all the female characters in that one frame. And I thought when I was watching that, well, that's that's no coincidence, man. That's just, it's just, it seemed like it was, it just seemed like it was out of place. Like the odds that all the feminine characters will be in one shot, like in this battle with thousands of people. Now there's one shot with all females and in, that and it's it's just it was so silly to me it, it was it just it served an agenda you know you don't have to insert those types of frames in your movies to get the point across that the feminine can be strong there's many movies that do that effortlessly lord of the rings with eowyn 
Perfect example, defeating the Witch King. I never at once thought, nah, that just doesn't seem realistic. It absolutely did. I mean, she's the real, she, she is the caregiver of Pippin. So you see the motherly caregiving side of the feminine, but also you see her strength, courage, and bravery, that she's willing to sacrifice everything to serve her, her people. Everything about that is admirable. Now, there is a bias implanted in our art today. There is a bias, a one-sided story now that we see. Now, culture, I want to get into this because this, this movement, this woke movement, it's, it's, a tr- it's tricky business and it's one-sided once you look behind the veil. Because like I said at the beginning, what it, it, seem, it seems like it's a great thing to, it's a great thing to, it's a great cause to invest yourself in on the surface. But when you look beyond that, there's all sorts of trouble. And you know it's a tyranny when they put diversity before everything else. So when you rise something up as the pinnacle, there's always going to be something that gets pushed below. So if, if diversity is the first criteria, what gets pushed below? Well, whatever you deemed as non-diverse before. And that's really interesting. Think about that for a second here. It's not about embracing everyone and incorporating things effortlessly. It's now about oppressing white males specifically. It's now oppressing them and raising something up. And now if, if you're against this diversity movement, then you are classified as someone who is against culture, someone who is a racist, someone who is a bigot, a misogynist. And we're getting attacked. And that's when we, I've noticed, that's when free speech is crucified. Because we're all in favor of free speech. But now, if you start to question how things are, you are crucified and people are becoming more afraid to speak their truth because of that notion, because they don't want to be crucified. An agenda is at play with our current art. Is diversity bad? No, it's not bad. But if a message comes before story, then yes, the art suffers. It's bad. It becomes boring and predictable because it's one-sided. There's no struggle. Everything is given to the character. Everything works out. The male character is a low-life, bumbling idiot, and the feminine character is a strong, empowering, empowering perfect person. There's, it's predictable. No one cares anymore. And we see no one caring because no one's watching the Disney Plus shows anymore. No one, no one cares about the stories. It's uninspiring. It's bland. There's no life. It's being pumped out like something at... <laughs> it's like 
something being pumped out on a conveyor belt. Just quick and easy and convenient. But why is this happening? It's because the creators, like Kathleen Kennedy at Disney, believe this is good. This is an ideology. What does that mean? An ideology, something that's one-sided. It's a one-sided view of the story. And it's an ideology is also something that they deem as good, right? They deem this as the highest good and that it should be prevalent and of top priority in our culture. So you see only what you want to see. Instead of arguing both sides, you just take the one side and you put that at the forefront and you serve that one-sided story. And so this person who is in service of this ideology, they believe this is good and if you are in opposition, then you yourself are an outcast of society. And we see this now with free speech, which is no longer free-flowing. We are seeing, we are seeing a silence and a cancellation of people who are exercising what they believe and what they deem as true. And this strikes fear in the heart of people because they don't want to be canceled. They don't want to be deemed a racist or misogynist. And so the fear keeps them controllable. We can see this happen when fans would criticize Miss Marvel or the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. The studios will blame the fans' backlash as racist or sexist for not liking the content. But it's not that they're racist or sexist. Maybe the content is just bad. And it is just bad. It is just bad. And we see now the spirit of Luke, which we once deemed as something admirable and worth striving towards. Now he's a washed up bum on an island drinking milk from some sea creature's titties, right? It's terrible. And the spirit of Indiana Jones, who once was a successful professor archaeologist now washed up in a crummy apartment it's all covered in dust and filth and he's not even a successful teacher anymore that spirit is dead or the spirit of obi-wan or thor non-existent what is going on where they are depicted as washed up has-beens why well, in favor for this other, this other character, the other feminine archetype of the perfect, well, not archetype, but I would say the, 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 the one-sided narrative of the feminine, of the perfect female to rise above the masculine and take over. It's like after all the trials and lessons Harry Potter goes through throughout the seven books, he winds up as a 50-year-old alcoholic doing nothing with his life, right? That would be insane. No family, no career, no goals. It's like the grand life-changing adventures he went on serve no meaning in the end. 
or Simba not turning into to the noble king, or Bilbo Baggin, who you know who went on these all these this crazy adventure, winding up to be a weakling and a feeble old man at the end, rather than the strong, wise old man. Like Aragorn, imagine him, his spirit as rightful king, breaking apart. Or to see Luke Skywalker as a washed up bum, you know, that means he turned his back on the spirit that he once held true to himself, throwing away potential, throwing in the towel. It's like Dumbledore never becoming Dumbledore or Gandalf never becoming Gandalf. If that spirit is not the highest form to strive towards, then what is? I'll tell you what the spirit is. Not, not like I've already told you enough in this episode, but Scholz Nitzen in the Gulag Archipelago, he says that the line between good and evil runs down the middle of every human heart. And throughout our lives, we sway into good and evil all the time. Just like how Harry Potter sways in in good and between good and evil or like luke skywalker good and evil that's the spirit of the archetype they're swaying between good and evil but what makes them the archetype is that they don't fall into evil they're very aware that they could wind up in evil but they choose to walk down the spirit of what's good and to maintain what's good and they understand through their adventures how to do that that constant growth and improvement builds on that spirit that we all can fall into pits but it's how we it's our perseverance and our spirit that defines who we are are we willing to get back up even on our worst days and then we see indiana jones on his worst days just washed up i mean how long has he been like that for who knows Right, who knows? But that spirit's dead. Even in throughout the movie, the female character in that Helen, I think Helena or Helen, she she wins. She she take she steals a lot of Indiana Jones's victories, and she becomes center of attention. Like they want her to become the next Indiana Jones. That's how I felt like to me. It wasn't about Harrison Ford. It was more like setting someone else up to take on the mantle, which. In the end, no one actually cared about. No one cared about her character. She was annoying and irrelevant. It was just bad writing. It was just serving an agenda. Well, now, what our current culture wants us to strive towards is whatever they deem to be relevant. Not exactly what's in our best interest. And that's where I'm going to leave you on this episode. Thank you, everybody, for staying and listening to the whole thing. Um, there was a lot here. Um, it's complicated stuff, but not so much. I feel like I feel like you understand what I'm getting at here because, I mean, all you have to do is look inwards and and really be honest with yourself in regards to the current climate of art that is being produced today. Is that spirit... I mean, you got to look at these characters and say, well, is this someone that I want to grow up to be like, right? And that's a great way to, well, look at these characters. And so I hope you liked this episode and please comment below. If you disagree, that's great, man. Leave your comments below. I want to see them and I really appreciate your time. 
And lastly, rise above anxiety. I'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.